Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Beautiful Hustle, the podcast that connects the heart to the hustle of the beauty industry. We're your hosts, and I'm with my beautiful friend, Jessica Saunders. So happy to be here with my co-host, Philip Procopio. We are ecstatic about today's podcast. Yes, so excited. This is our first weekend of a brand takeover. And so this weekend, we're going to be featuring some of our favorites from Aveda. October 2020 would have been Aveda Congress, and we were both looking forward to it so much that unfortunately it was postponed because of the global pandemic. And so we gathered our favorite peeps from the brand and we brought them together for a weekend of interviews. So we have six interviews from our top favorite people at Aveda that we're going to air to you over the weekend. And we're so excited. Today we have an amazing sought-after global educator uh, known for various collections with Aveda, like Worldhood from Congress 2018. Please welcome to the show, Miss B. Carmichael. Welcome, B. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. We're so excited. And full disclosure, everyone, this is our second time recording. We had a technical issue and I did not realize it stopped recording. So we're going, we only got a few minutes in. So we're keeping it real here. You know what? That's sometimes how it goes. This is our first international recording. We've gotten through that learning curve. Um, and we've learned to double check that record button. So <laughs> thanks again for your patience. B. Yes, B. Um, no worries. So we'll start again. How are you? How are things over in the UK? Uh, what's been going on in your life right now? So all good. Yes, I'm coming to you live and direct from the UK. So mm. so we were we were laughing earlier in the first take about <laughs> about being British and accents. Yes. Um, it's, um, it's really good. You know, I have to say, obviously, we are uh, same as you guys, you know, we've got new kind of rules and regulations. So we're all kind of like masked up and visored up in the salon. Um, but it's it's all good. I think just taking each day as it comes. I mean, that's I think that's really all you can do at this point right now. So be, are things back to normal? Are you open like normal? What does that look like? So it's it's kind of like um, a new normal. I would say um, we're almost back to our original kind of opening hours, which is great. We're not running to full capacity. We, we're actually really lucky in the salon. Um, we've got a salon that's over three floors. And what we've done is we've just kind of like moved into every single corner of the salon. So to make sure we can maintain the social distancing, we've just removed bits of furniture that we had, you know, that maybe was a magazine table or that maybe, you know, was a beautiful kind of chest or something. And we've just really moved everything around so we can can get that social distancing in place. So it's been good for us because it means that we haven't had to reduce too much the number of guests that we can see at any one time, which is great. But yeah, everybody is sanitized, visored, uh, <laughs> face masked, you name it, we're doing it. And you know, our guests are the same. So um, for those of you that are, are tuning in and listening, I'm sure dealing with new guests like I am um, can be quite tricky when you're trying to decide what to do to them and you can only see half their face. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was saying I I don't know anyone. I feel like I had a guest because uh, I only do guests one day a week. And so, which you would think without doing many guests, I would remember them all. 
<laughs> but I had one guest who I, cause I just moved to the salon I'm in right now. I've been here for five months, so I haven't seen any of my guests full face. And I was doing uh, this gal's hair and she took her mask down just to take a quick drink of something. And I just blurted out, oh my gosh, you're really pretty. <laughs> and she was like, thank you. And I was like, sorry, I just haven't seen your face and you're really pretty. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know why. It's like all awkward. It's all new. And <laughs> B, talk to us about personally how you're handling this, how you're dealing with this mentally, emotionally. How are you getting through these unique times? Um, I think it's I think it's all about sharing for sure. It's like I, I have a motto that I keep sharing with my friends and I'm like, you know, if it's really good, take it month by month. If it's not so great, do it week by week. And then if it's really bad, do it minute by minute. Um, and then just kind of keep checking in on yourself because I think every week is different. It's like, yes. you know, I don't know about you guys, but it's like I can have a really good week. I can feel like you know, on top of everything. And then the next week, it's not so great. You know, you're kind of feeling a a bit kind of deflated. So yeah, I think it's like, take each minute as it comes. Um, And we're all in this together. And we're all learning. Yeah, what a great perspective. And what great advice for every category of life. Yeah, yeah, that's a great little tidbit. So Brie, our B, we are so excited to learn more about you. You know, we research all of our guests on the podcast, and I must admit, you were a tough one to find some behind-the-scenes info on. So I would love to hear your backstory. Take us back to where it all started, how you found the industry, um, and how you really boomed so quickly into becoming this really sought-after platform artist. Take us through the journey of your career. Well, uh I wish I could share with you something really, really exciting and, and, and it be a real uh, whirlwind story about how, you know, there were so many generations of my family that were hairdressers and uh, I can't. I, it, I'm always kind of like, oh, my story's really disappointing compared to others. But um, I actually got into hairdressing by mistake. It wasn't ever intentional. Um, I was actually studying business and finance at college. Um, my parents wanted me to have a, a more of an academic kind of career. And uh, through the college placement, we had to do this work placement. And this work placement was for between three to six months. And for me, it was doing accountancy in, in a large corporate office. And by the end of the first week, I realized that I do not under any circumstances ever want to do this as a career. And the only way I can describe it was it was like everybody in the office wore a brown suit, whether they were a man or a woman. And everything just smelt of coffee. It was horrible. It was absolutely oh. awful. Um, so I just, I, I just desperately didn't want to do that. So I went home and I was kind of like, you know, this isn't for me to my parents. And they were both kind of sort of joking, I think at the time, but they sort of said, well, if you could find a job by the end of the week, you know, leave, um, never thinking that, that I'd actually find a job, um, in such a short space of time. And I did. Um, and the job was actually an assistant at a hair salon, <laughs> Um, which they were horrified at at the time (laughs) Um, from finance to assisting (laughs) exactly but I never I never looked back I mean I I loved it as soon as 
kind of I think I, I got my first week out of the way and I realized that there was a lot of making teas and coffees and folding towels <laughs> um I absolutely loved it and once I, I got my hands into hair um I never kind of have looked back and I was really really lucky because when I started hairdressing there was a company um called Tony and Guy oh yeah which was really really small back in the day when when I first worked there and it 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 didn't have all the the salons that it has now. And it was very much that you actually worked for Tony and Guy. So you worked for the Moscolo family. Oh, wow. So amazing. It was so, so cool. So I had absolutely incredible training. Um, and I kind of did everything the wrong way around. My, one of my first big jobs, um, and it was before I could actually cut hair, I could only blow dry, was assisting a session hairdresser called Guido Palau um who used to freelance um for Tony and Guy um and it was a Versace campaign and I'd actually only been hairdressing at that point for six months so I completely um turned the traditional hairdressing story on its head because I knew nothing but I was just super super eager um work would work really really hard um, wasn't scared of anything. I think that that's the only <laughs> thing that that I can sort of say was I don't know whether it's because I started hairdressing a little bit older than than some, mm. but it was my confidence. I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to give it a go because that's the only way I'm going to find out. So, um, yeah, I I kind of did it the 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 other way around where my career started off full force with, um industry kind of names really and I got to travel all over Europe doing shows at Fashion Week in Paris and Milan and London um and thoroughly thoroughly enjoying it and that's been it I've not stopped enjoying it for god it's been over 26 years now oh my gosh you do not look old enough for that 26 years (laughs) yes 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 I can't believe it your skin has been good to you my friend (laughs) Honestly, it's all Aveda. I literally <laughs> slather myself. I love it. Same. So tell us how you found Aveda. Where did Aveda come into your story? So um this was this was really interesting, actually. I'd heard of Aveda. Um I didn't know much about it, but I'd I'd heard of it before and I actually got to try um a product and it was Champure. Um and I loved it. I loved the shampoo and and I kind of like fell in love, I think, as everybody does with the aroma. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know much about Aveda itself. And I was working in, in London in Covent Garden and I could see this beautiful salon being built in the heart of um, Covent Garden. And it was an Aveda salon. And it looked incredible. I just loved the design of it. Um, it just looks so so welcoming it was like uh all glass fronted if anyone's ever been to to our lifestyle salon and spa in Covent Garden it's an mm-hmm. incredible incredible so space yeah it's beautiful and uh and I just desperately wanted to work there so I I literally I was managing um a salon in Covent Garden actually <laughs> I won't say what it was um, but um I was having a particularly bad day that day. (laughs) And uh, I literally walked out of the salon 
um, as you do, and uh, went straight to Aveda and was like, please, 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 can I have a job? Um, and literally, I, I think within the week, I did a trade test, and I think I had to do, I think I had to do like a graduated bob, it was a long layer, a few blow dries, and I think a hair up. And um, I got through kind of like two of them and I did a hair up and I was like really, really nervous. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get this job. This place is so amazing. Um, And I did. I got the job and I learned literally as much as I could in that first week about Aveda and I've never looked back. Just love everything about it. The ethos, everything. That's incredible. B, you said you didn't have a great story, but you have a really interesting story. (laughs) Actually, we have a little bit in common because I started in business and finance too in college and worked corporate world and decided that I couldn't do it any longer. And that's how I got in here as well. So interesting see oh that's that makes me feel so much better because I always feel like a bit of a freak <laughs> like I should sit around and go oh no it was because it was my grandmother's salon and yeah. and I took took her salon from you know and I've not I've not got that story so I'm glad it's nice to nice to meet someone with a similar background well I think I mean I would I would love to I guess for lack of a better term, normalize people taking time in their life to figure out exactly what they'd like to do and enjoy the work they do. I think that's the beautiful thing about millennials and Gen Z that are coming up. They're not just going to do the traditional thing that their parents tell them to do or what they think they should do. They're going to do what they want to do and enjoy life while they work. Totally. And I I think don't worry if you don't have it figured out. I think that's what I really realize now is, is I think there's a lot of pressure on Mm -hmm. everyone to have this clear plan and to know exactly what you want to do at such an early age. And I didn't, I mean, I just really wanted to go to clubs and dance a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think that was the only thing I could be a hundred percent sure about at the time. So I, I think don't, yeah, don't, don't, you know, sweat the stuff, you know, of, of, of having a clear plan, because I think life will take you on a journey. I, I think what's meant for you doesn't pass you by. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a really beautiful part of our industry, too, is that there are so many facets of it. You know, I do come from the opposite background. I'm from generations of beauty salon owners, specifically of Ada salon owners. And so I, there was this natural transition that of course I would go into the industry, but I opposite wanted to go into business and law, but I just scholastically wasn't successful in that category. So I'm no longer behind the chair and I'm on the business end of it. So this industry has given me a platform to do what my passions were, um, but in a realm that I'm comfortable with. So that's the other thing about this industry that's so amazing is there's unlimited opportunities regardless of which direction you want to pivot to. Totally. totally. I think, and I think also from a creative side as well, it's like I, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk to some of the, the young guys in, in salon and they look at me and they're like, Oh, but I don't want to own a salon. And I, I kind of sort of smile and I'm like, <laughs> I don't blame you either. Um, but I, I think, you know, that, there's so much that you can do and and whether it is you know film doing hair for film whether it's doing hair for television whether it's it is doing a column and being that person that turns up on time and leaves on time I think that's Mm -hmm. what I love about it it's like I think 
particularly now, the industry needs so many different types of hairdressers. And I think, like you're saying, you can you can be whatever you want to be in the industry. Absolutely. So I think the maybe non-traditional part of your story is that you dove so deeply into editorial, like almost immediately in your career. So I'm curious, what are some memorable shows or campaigns or shoots you've worked on? Any any behind the scenes action you remember that was just so memorable that we would love to hear about? Yeah, I mean, I, I will always, I always tell this story because um, it's probably the the one that's affected me the most, mm. and it was actually um, the first big show that I'd ever done, and, I, and I'd only been hairdressing for about six months, and the only reason I got this gig was because my art director had the flu Ooh. in the salon. And I had been the really annoying assistant that had for the last week, if if somebody said, right, B, can you go out and get a model? I'd bring back two. Um, and I, I actually think they just wanted me out of the salon. So so they said, right, you know, you're, you can go and, and do this this show. You've just got to get to the centre of London um, to and meet at this hotel. And I was like, okay. And I, I had... I had my little bag with me, which, um, you know, nowadays I, I, w- I would carry at least two cases full of kit. I actually went to that um, shoot with one comb, one brush, a hairdryer, a hairdryer without a nozzle. Oh, no. um, and I think two clips. And that was that was it. That was that was all I possessed. Um, that is confidence (laughs) (laughs) or or stupidity (laughs) Um, so I took my little bag with me and I I went to this location in London and it was a a hotel in London called the Dorchester and this hotel is 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 like when you walk up to it it's beautiful it's it's very very high-end celebrity stay there so I kind of went up the steps and I was feeling a little bit you know kind of like oh I don't think I've got the right place um, and I walk through through the door and I can see all these models um, that are sat around. And the first model that I clock is actually Naomi Campbell. Oh, wow. my so gosh. I was starting to kind of feel a little bit sick. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I went up to didn't re- have the flu, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went up to uh, I went up to reception. And I was like, oh, I think I've got the wrong place. But is this is this where we're supposed to be meeting for, for a show? I'm, I'm supposed to meet a guy called Guido Palau that I'd never heard of before. And uh, they went, no, no, you're in the right place. Or can I have your name? So I gave my name. And as soon as I'd given my name, this guy comes up behind me and taps me on the shoulder and he goes, hello, I'm Guido. And I was like, hello, I'm B. And he went, B, that's really easy to remember. He said, so you're going to be assisting us today. And I said, yes, but I just need to let you know, I've only been hairdressing for a few months and I, I can blow dry, but that's all I can do. <laughs> and, and he kind of like looks at me and he just sort of smiled and he went, right, can you go outside and can you get all the models to go on a double decker bus, please? And he was just like, use the biggest voice that you have and just tell them all to get on the bus. So I was kind of like, okay. So I got outside <laughs> And I'm like, oh, excuse me, um, excuse me. And 
no one is listening to me. So I was like, right. (laughs) In my biggest voice that I could find, I was like, are there any models? If there's models, can you please get on the double-decker bus? And the the models start ferrying on the bus. So I was like, oh, great. You know, this is easy. (laughs) Um, And we end up going on this journey. We, We end up going to this massive stately home in Luton. And the only thing that I thought was really weird is as we drive up this windy drive to this big stately home, I'm like, okay, there's three London double-decker buses that are full of models and crew and makeup artists and hairdressers. And as we, we, we drove up, I started to see these massive American trucks um, there were tigers, panthers, oh uh, uh, pink poodles that had been dyed pink. Um, it was just totally surreal. And I got out of the bus and I just said to Guido, I was like, this is incredible. What are we doing today? And he went, oh, it's the Versace campaign. Wow. Oh, um, my gosh. Which, <laughs> by which I kind of realised the extravagance of it all. And I quietly went to the toilet, had a little cry. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I was a little bit sick as well. Um, and then I came back and I got my very tiny kit out with all the other hairdressers <laughs> that had these suitcases um, lined up. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I don't know. I, I think he just took pity on me. And he grabbed me and he said, right, grab a chair. And he put a model in front of me and he had a model. And he said, right, I want you to watch my hands. Just watch my hands and do exactly what I do. And I literally did. It was like the whole room had gone quiet and all I was doing was focusing on watching his hands and watching what he was doing. And once he'd finished, he was like, right, now you do it to your model. And I did exactly the same thing. Um, And that was it. That was my first ever experience of doing anything editorial. And after that, it was like the beginning of a, a whirlwind dream. So I went with him to do Fashion Week. We went to Paris. We did shows um, all over the Europe. We did London Fashion Week. So my career started almost like the wrong way around. I was doing like Hermes and Prada and Gucci from about 12 months into hairdressing. That's so incredible. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was very lucky. Very, very lucky. What a wonderful man, too, to see you yeah. for you and take you and build you up. You know, I think there's a lot of people in that position, unfortunately, who might push you to the side because, you know, they're, they're on a big shoot. They've got a big task to take care of. I think that speaks so highly to the heart of that man, um, you know, to take you in and really set you up for success. Yeah, and it definitely taught me something. And and I think I really hope that that's what I do now for other people. It's like I'm a great believer in in you don't need to have had the, the best training. You don't need to come from the best salons. You don't need to have all the experience or the portfolio. And I, I do really, I, I really hope that that's something that I do for people is just, you know, give them a shot at it, you know. Um, because I think sometimes we can follow this hierarchy, um, which isn't necessarily needed. Yeah, I agree. 
So tell us a little bit about Congress 2018. Um, what was putting that show together like? I mean, Worldhood was so phenomenal. If I could have posters, if my husband would let me have posters of that <laughs> in my house, I would. Um, it just gives me goosebumps and like little girl happiness. So tell, talk to us about that collection and what went into it and what it was like to be part of putting on such an amazing show. Oh, I mean, it was it was everything. I, I think, I mean, firstly, it was creating something with your friends um, and that that I, I will always, always cherish. Um, it was like working with your family in the nicest possible way. And um, we're very, very lucky as a, as a team to, I don't know, we, it's like each of us brings something completely different to the table. Um, but working as a team, we have the strength to kind of pull ideas together and channel into each other's strengths Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's really what this was about it was like we all came to the table with with different ideas and different concepts and we each of us made a mood board and if if you're familiar with the team you'll know that like obviously Janelle lives in Minneapolis Mm -hmm. Ian lives in LA Ricardo lives in New York and I live in the UK so none of us are uh you know, in the same office space or the same sp- salon space. Or the same and we time to... zone, even. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> totally. And we had to come up with, like, these mood boards of ideas. And I think what's really interesting is is when you just vibe with someone, when you just connect with someone on a creative level, it was really interesting when we submitted all of our mood boards because they were all similar. Mm. And... Although we're exposed to different things because we live in different parts of the world, what was really beautiful was actually when we went through them, we were like, my God, you know, that we all had a very similar kind of idea. So it made it super, super easy. And I think that just comes with working with people for quite a while, but also knowing people as well. And it's yeah. it's like Ian and I have, have known each other for years. We both started at, at Tony and Guy. Um and I think it is having that that connection that crosses over from work and into friendship because you really trust each other's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you don't have a great idea or you do something and it's not quite as good as you, you know, maybe it could be. You're in that safe space with someone to say, oh, you know, what about if you tried it like this? Um, and I think that's what's lovely about the team is that is that we feel kind of like that. So. So there was lots and lots of of work that went into it. I mean, we even made our own clothes. It was it was crazy, wow. but it was such good fun. Yeah, it's so awesome, and I can't wait to continue this weekend of interviews because everyone that you mentioned that are your friends are becoming your family that you've collaborated with will be featured on the podcast. So um, it's going to be fun to hear how all of you weave together and to create such a beautiful um, concept that we all enjoyed watching so much. Oh, it was, it was good. It was, it was so, so much fun and it was happy. We wanted to do something that was happy and lighthearted. And I think we managed it. You certainly did. We, we felt it in the crowd. Let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the best part because I think, you know, I love editorial. Sometimes it can be a little too serious. Moody. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I love. I have those definite times, but 
I that's what I loved about Worldhood and, and at Congress is it was just so fun. It was you guys. We could tell you guys were having fun. The models were having fun. It was just it, like you said, it was very lighthearted. And and sometimes I think the editorial world needs that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was like if, if I could have had a crystal ball then and seen into the future, because the whole concept was was about how we're connected through social media mm-hmm. um, and how it's kind of like a global platform. Um, and if we could have seen what was going to come, you know, with the pandemic a yeah. few years on, right? Uh, it was kind of like maybe, I don't know, maybe we had a sixth sense. But, yeah, it was, yeah. It, was it was so much, so much fun. And it, it just proved that you don't need to live together or even be in the same country to be able to, collaborate and creating you know like things that are totally totally different so congress was moved to 2021 from this year so i'm sure you can't give us details of what you're going to do but what does the planning process look like for you what what for you what goes into creating that those special moments at congress it starts really early on. Um, I think, first of all, you, you kind of come up with the concept. And sometimes that is, you know, created by you yourself or you'll get an idea from Aveda because they'll have a, a rough kind of journey that they want to take the audience on. Mm-hmm. And then it's really kind of like working with a team and understanding each other's strengths and you know, like we're all good at certain things and not so great at others. And I think it's it's creating a safe kind of environment where people feel that they can celebrate what they're incredible at, but don't feel like they're, they're going to need to then perfect an area that they're not so good at. So mm-hmm. I think it's really kind of understanding the team's creativity and then it's playing to their strengths. So I kind of like love asking people, well, if you could do anything at Congress, what would it be? Um, And I think then you can start to sort of see kind of that blue sky thinking Mm -hmm. and then kind of take it on a journey to to kind of fit it in with your subject matter, for example. Um, And then obviously, um, obviously my finance head (laughs) takes over (laughs) because as with everything, you know, it's not just the incredible artistry talent. You've got to get the right models. You've got to get the right clothing. You've got to get, you know, I love small details. So for me, it is, you know, although it's a stage show, the accessories have got to be right. You know, everything's got to to work you know the lighting the sound the music the pyrotechnics all those things so so we kind of then work out what budget we're working to and how much we can or I love to say how much bang we can get for our buck in that that time frame that we have (laughs) I love that so what can listeners expect it to see at congress 2021 can you give us any little teasers of what type of things we can look forward to I mean, well, everything keeping keeping cross that that you know the situation gets better Correct. from yeah. from mm-hmm. from what it is now. I mean, definitely, it's a a complete global extravaganza. Yeah. Um, I think having or being able to showcase some incredible artistry from all over the world. I think Congress has already done that mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but I think. I think 2021, you're going to see it even more. Wow. I love that. 
I I mean, it, like you said, they've already done that a lot. So I'm excited to see what that means to expand on that because that's part of that's one of my favorite things about Congress. Like I always say, like I love the Canadian team. I love the the team from Japan. They they're one of my favorites. Their concepts and the visual art of it is so incredible. So I'm now I'm even more excited to see what else globally is going to happen. Yeah, I think watch this space. I think it'll be really exciting. And I think we'll all be ready for a show by yes. that point. My goodness. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we certainly can't wait for it. And we know our listeners over here at The Beautiful Hustle are big fans of Aveda and can't wait to see it too. So, B, one of the things we do on each of our interviews is we give you three rapid-fire questions that I don't know these questions. Phil doesn't know them. We literally go to google.com and put in random question generator. So we're going to put you in the hot seat and give you your three random questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's pull this up. See what Google has to say. Oh, this is a good one. What are your top three snacks? (gasps) Oh, that's (laughs) a hard one. Okay. I mean, some of these you may not be familiar with. Oh. Um, I would say my first one would be hot buttered white bread with Marmite on. Oh, you need to describe this to me because <laughs> so, it does not sound like a delicious snack. Marmite here is, Marmite is like a, it's like a veggie kind of um, spread, spread that you okay. can put into mm-hmm put into sandwiches um <laughs> i mean it sounds really gross a marmite like, sounds like a bug <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's kind of like brown oh, God. Yeah, Funny. It doesn't... i'm not selling this to you at all am I? i've um, had it um have you had it? yes i have actually yes. really enjoy it okay i i wish we had some here because i would eat it regularly all right it's it's, it it's is... a unique taste though it is I've I've tried to describe it to people and I'm like I just I don't know how to describe it. It's totally unlike anything in the US. All right. Yeah, you either you either love it or hate it. Yeah. It's like there's no in between. Yeah, so definitely I would say that that's that's my top top snack is hot buttered. It has to be white bread. Yes. Uh with marmite on. Um my next one is going to be a biscuit called a custard cream. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yes. I have oh, had that and yes. I agree. They are one. just gorgeous. They're the right amount of cream, right amount of mm-hmm. crunch to mm-hmm. go with, to go with a cup of tea. And then I think my last one would have to be. I think it's going to be. I've got such a sweet tooth, but my last one would have to be. And this is a, a traditional Scottish dish, which is called cranachan, mm. and it's like crushed meringue crushed raspberries cream oats and it's kind of like done as a, a knickerbocker glory you have it in a long glass and there's oh, okay. ice Yum. vanilla ice cream in there as well it's lovely that sounds delicious i could get on board with that phil <laughs> what's your top favorite snack phil oh my favorite snack i would have to say i'm a salty person so i would have to go with salt and vinegar chips mm. which oh, i nice. love it's People say I'm crazy, but the salt and vinegar chips in the UK are different in general. They're a, a, a tiny bit sweeter. I think they, mm. a lot of them I see use malt vinegar. Yeah. And so um, I love the ones in the UK, especially. Hula hoops, salt and vinegar hula hoops. Yes. Are good. What about you, Jess? <laughs> um, 
I right now I'm going to go with my stack of the moment because it seems to always be changing. Have you ever had harvest snaps? No. They're the no. dehydrated peas. So it's like a full pea, like in the shell still. Like three peas in a pod? Three peas in a pod. It's the peas and the pod. Oh. And they're like <laughs> dehydrated um, with like a rice flour on them. So they're like crispy. It's kind of like a Cheeto meets a pea. Okay. Wow. They're delicious. And the truth is I buy them for my son and he probably has like two of them and then I have the rest. <laughs> so they're a kid's snack. <laughs> they're a kid's snack. Yeah. <laughs> All right, B, let's go to this next question. Let's see what Google comes up with for you. Um, what is the most uncomfortable situation you've found yourself in? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. That's a tough one. I would probably say it was the most awkward situation because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. It's one of those situations where either way, it's not going to be pleasant. <laughs> But I was sat, um, well, I wasn't sat, I was standing on a commuter train going into London and it was absolutely packed. And this guy had a cup of coffee on his lap and he dropped off, he'd gone to sleep (laughs) and his coffee had slightly tilted and it was just dribbling out of the top (laughs) into this other guy's briefcase and his briefcase was open Oh my god! And all the paperwork was there. And I was kind of like, well, if I wake him up, he could wake up and then throw the coffee even further. But if I don't <laughs> wake him up, <laughs> then the paperwork of the other guy is going to be totally ruined. So I, I nudged the guy that was awake um, with the briefcase and, and he sort of like, well, we don't really talk to each other on the tube. So he sort of like gave me a look and just flapped his briefcase shot. <laughs> I was going to say, of all the British culture things I know about... That is, you don't talk to people on the tube. Like, that's just something you don't do. So that's actually very brave of you to say something (laughs) on the tube, because I know how uh, it is for Brits. It is a big faux pas to talk to someone else on the tube. You don't talk. You don't look. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. Your last question. Let's see what we get. If you could be famous for something, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to edit this one. If you could be famous for something other than hair, what would that be? Ooh, um, do you know what? I I'd like to be famous. I would like to be Madonna for a oh. day. <laughs> just a day. <laughs> yeah, just a day. Just a day. No, I would. I'd love to. I would love to. I can't sing at all. Um, <laughs> And everybody in my house tells me not to when I try. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, th- I would love to have been really good at singing and, and be kind of like a, a pop icon. Oh, nice. That's a good one. What about you, Phil? Same. I'm a singer, so I would, I would love to be on The Voice or something like that. I love that. I would want to be like an interior designer, mm. like have my own line of furniture and interior decor and all that stuff. Nice. Maybe I could see that. Nice home takeover shows. Yeah, I love that. Well, B, thank you so much for your time. Um, we cannot express our gratitude enough to you. Uh, we are so excited to see what comes for you, what your future holds. Tell us a little bit about what the future looks like for you. What's next? Oh well, as we're saying, I really, really am looking forward to to Congress. Um, I think it's 
it's everything. It's like I, I can't narrow it down to one thing. It's like I really want the guys in in our salon to have successful careers, go where their heart takes them. Um, I want to build incredible teams. We've got teams here in the UK. We've got a UK styling team that I just adore. Um, and I want everything to go back to even if it is our new normal so people can really start to focus on themselves and focus on their journey. So, yeah, for me, it's it's about creating more teams and helping people to reach their dreams and their goals. That's wonderful. And I think that is, you know, you mentioned that you hope that you can be to others what your mentor was to you. And I think that's you doing it every day, which is amazing. Oh, I hope so. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you so much. We look forward to celebrating you at Congress. Everybody who's enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating and review. That's the best way to show your podcast hosts some love. And guys, don't forget to go over to Instagram and follow us on there at the Beautiful Hustle Podcast. And hey, do us a favor, head over to Bees and give her a follow. Her handle is at bcarmichael13. You guys, her feed is incredible. All her work is posted there. It's beautiful to just scroll through again another episode dropping today join us next to hear our interview with the fabulous ian michael black global creative director of hair color at aveda we can't wait to share that chat with you yes again thank you b for joining us until next time everyone stay beautiful and keep hustling thanks everybody take care